play because it would clash with the music it that they have the underneath it yeah oh, uh, valuable money making uh, time exactly uh, yeah. fantastic. I hope none of that was recorded Ian, I guess. <laughs> 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 yeah. uh, the inside yeah. secrets of the <laughs> podcast yeah. Yeah. that's Chris Ward's voice everyone <laughs> Chris Ward oh dear um, we're back again uh, how do we do this again it's been such a long time um, with uh, we're going to call this the new series of the Scots Way Hey podcast because it's been such a long time and we've got a few really interesting ones uh, lined up for autumn and winter and I hope they all come off because I've promised these things before and it's never quite happened but no this is looking good um, today we've got um, Eugene Twist with us hello and uh, the return of Chris Ward who I, um, has been away for some time yeah I've been absent absent yeah absent. Finding the inner secrets of uh, Scottish like that. television. Something like that. Well, I hope it's made the heart grow fonder, but I'm not putting any money on it. <laughs> and uh, you just played a couple of tracks, which you'll be hearing at some point uh, during the podcast. And first, thanks for coming along and doing this on your Saturday. No problem at all. Um, we saw you recently, uh, Ian and I, um, I should say that Eugene's one of my favourite uh, singer-songwriters about at the moment, and also one of Ian's as well, I know that. And we went to see him uh, at the CCA for your album relaunch, shall we call it? Relaunch, okay, that's what we're calling it. <laughs> and uh, with uh, a fantastic full band. So yeah. tell us a little bit about the album and, you know, how, how you see it uh, being relaunched the future of it, if you like. Well, the, I mean, it's, I sent it to you, what, the beginning of the year? Yeah, I think so, uh, yeah. So it's been around, it's been around since January, you know, online and, you know, of course, you put out your first album and it's a big learning curve as to how you coordinate it, I suppose, with mm-hmm. you know, getting out to the press and radio and all the rest of it. So there's been that kind of side of figuring things out and it started to gain a bit of momentum over mm-hmm. the summer. Um, so we thought we'd do an album launch the other week there um, to en- enhance the, the shelf life a little bit. You know? <laughs> Um, and also just it was the first band show it was the first full band show so it was um, as I was saying to you earlier you know everything seemed to come alive mm-hmm. with that you know because the album is basically acoustic yeah well I mean I mean, there's, a, there's actually a lot of I think it's quite a rich mu- musical album it is know? indeed yeah without um, a doubt so it helps to have others you know the, the input of other people mm-hmm. there you know in a live context, because um, I mean, I, f- I find that I can hold a lot of the songs acoustically, mm-hmm. and uh, I'd say that's a mark of, of of a good song if you can come back to it on acoustic guitar or piano and still, yeah. and it still works, and, and it still works. Um, but I get bored of that as well. You know? <laughs> My mind works too quickly when I, yeah. when I play live, and I like to I like to have the padding and, and the backing of. I'm a drummer as well, so yeah. that, that it helps having a, a beat behind. A bit of rhythm behind yeah. it as well. Yeah. Ah. Um, it's interesting you saying about giving it a longer life, because this is something I've talked about recently <laughs> with re- relevance to, to books, or anything I suppose, film as well. It's often the way that something comes out, we want to turn things over very, very quickly, so it's like well, if it hasn't made a big hit, <clears throat> initial impact, then kind of falls away and is forgotten about. And there's lots of stuff now, I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but you know that... Uh, People have looked back on it in a longer sense and said, "Yeah, that was that was really good." Um, but in general, people seem to want to get to the next new thing. You know, you have yeah. the next album release, you have the such and such. Um, and it's the, we um, uh, were talking about a book at the Edinburgh Book Festival called Second Lives that, that I was involved in, and we want to think, well, this is this is more life than just the first release and if it's not sold anything for a month we think you know people will pick it up pick it up over a, a longer period is that how you've kind of found it with the with the album that I, people I just, have got in touch and said yeah I mean I just wanted to there's a lot of artists out there now that are releasing they're pretty much releasing the whole album in, in stages whether it's videos mm. or you know 10 singles before they put out the album yeah. and everyone's actually heard the album yeah. before it's released you know and there's there's 
there's nothing wrong with that, but with me, I kind of, you know, hid away for mm-hmm. six months and did it. And come out with a full thing. Well, that's what I really liked about it, because you're right, I'm used to people getting in touch and sending an odd track or, I mean, a few tracks, and then eventually it becomes something bigger and it's the same tracks. I said, well, this is actually good, but I've heard these before, and by the time you yeah. get to it as a full yeah. album, yeah. you've already heard I mean, that's, uh, I suppose that's the, the system that, you know, I've grown up with is... Mm-hmm. You hear you have to wait around for the next, you know, Radiohead album or whatever it is. It is two or three years before you hear the next thing, and that's just that's the kind of form of of the album that, you know, I'm I'm still I'm still chasing that. Yeah, well, it was that, was that it was thing, for a while. It so. was such a nice thing to get a full album. That I mean, listening habits I think have changed as well. Uh, very rare I think to get a full album sit down and listen to it all the way through and certainly if you're listening on uh, an iPod you'll often say well I've not gotten to that and you'll flip through to the next one but of course traditionally music comes at you at different times you know one one track might hit you immediately there's usually some you know melody that you'll kind of half recognise and you think oh I like that it reminds me of that but then something else could be a real grower and say well that's that's now my favourite track Mm -hmm. and it seems to me a shame that uh, a lot of people have lost their way of listening to that because if you don't, if it doesn't make an immediate hit, then people kind of sideline it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because you, you, mean, you used to listen to a lot of music as well. How do you find it? Do you find you're listening differently now than you used to? I don't think so. I, I think maybe in the sense that like, I feel like I have less time to spend on individual albums just because there's so I feel like there's so much more of it that's that the thing that was a big problem now. yeah it's like I mean you, you know when I was a teenager and stuff like this and you start out buying records you may buy like two or three a month at most or something like that just because well one because it was all you could afford cause, you know yeah. it was like pocket money stuff or whatever you know it was before having you know a paper round and like a fiver from grandparents you know every now and again was, was your funding for it so like I didn't have the money to buy loads of records and then uh yeah, also just like the kind of proliferation of like online blogs and st- online blogs. <laughs> There's offline blogs, but you know what I mean. Of like online journalism and stuff, and uh, just more, uh, yeah, more avenues for discovering music and stuff. And you, you start thinking, oh no, I'd I'd like I'd like to have a listen to that, and that sounds really interesting. And oh, like they've got a new album coming out, I really like their last one or whatever. And all of a sudden, you're like going in and buying like three or four records a week, and yeah. you know, between that and like, you know, now like when I commute now I'll quite often listen to podcasts rather mm-hmm. than albums so you don't, don't even have the listening time then to devote mm-hmm. to, to listen to you, you know you want to keep up with all your kind of regular podcasts and stuff like this and yeah it, the time that you would spend listening to albums just kind of falls away I kind of find now that I know the first like four or five tracks on an album really well because I'll put it on as I'm going to sleep <laughs> and then you know just like <laughs> the entire back half of the album will be a mystery because I'll have fallen asleep we're, we're going to listen to it this time yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah, the exactly, same applies yeah. with running when you're running and you stick yeah. on an album, you're going to miss a few tracks, or you're going to you know skip to a few tracks. Unless you, you yeah. extend your uh, running uh, yeah. length. I just I hope it I hope it's not a, a dying art form. You know I don't th- I don't think it is because um, for for a new artist, um, particularly someone that's trying to you know explore a lot of musical avenues, you have if you have a ten track album, mm-hmm. it can you know a certain if you, a certain order of songs can, you know, amplify other songs, and likewise, you know, negate other songs. So that package is, I still find it very important. Yeah, and that's right. There's a there's a skill and an art to coming up with something, which is a whole. Yeah. It's not just a collection yeah. of songs. It's not just a well. I, I've I've written ten songs. I know I can play them pretty well. I might as well put them out, yeah. all out together because yeah. that's yeah. not an album. Yeah. yeah. I'm not saying I've cracked it <laughs> by, a, by a long shot, but well, it's, you know, it's a thing to aim for. Which you know, I think yeah. the, I think what you're saying about listening to lots of podcasts is interesting because I'm sure yeah. there are people who listen to people talking about music instead of actually listening to yeah, music anymore. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm still an advocate though of like the album as a whole unit. I mean, I would never be. I know, like people probably stick an album on their iPod, then listen to it a couple of times through and think right I like this song this song and this song but I don't like the rest of it and they'll, they'll just keep like maybe half the album on it and yeah. I still it's, it, for me it's just not how I listen to music you know where I could just you know listen to four or five try like cut out you know keep the good stuff cut out the shite to quote an editor uh, <laughs> and, and uh, that's editing in a nutshell that's editing in a nutshell yeah 
but uh, I mean like if I was putting like the white album on my iPod I hate Obla Dee Obla Da but I'm not getting that's a it, great example you know? that's an album I would always listen to all the way yeah. through even if I've got it on my iPod yeah. and you're right you'd think oh god I'm not really yeah but it's still you know it's there you appreciate the Lennon and McCartney more because yeah. Uh, exactly yeah. because Ringo has popped up with a song you know it's like you know at the end of the day they're the Beatles they put it there for a reason you know and you were meant to hear it where they put it so well, I think we're going to talk oh, yeah. later on about uh, soundtracks, but just to proceed that, one of my favourite albums of all time, any time, and I got it, remember getting it for Christmas, was Stop Making Sense, yeah. uh, the Talking Heads album, and the first track that jumped out <coughs> at me was Slippery People, I just absolutely loved it, that was my favourite. And then, but then, latterly, there's other tracks which have now come to be, I like better than that, or with it, and if you were just to say well that's the two tracks I like I'm sticking them on and, and you would just miss yeah. out some of the best music yeah. and some of the most difficult music I think that's an interesting yeah. thing as well yeah. there's a lot of stuff which is difficult and that's no bad thing whether it's books or film or, or music you know sometimes it's good to have to be challenged because you're, on a, you're on a journey with an album aren't yeah you? yeah exactly it's a big issue just now as well I think that's the thing you find with a lot of online criticism especially is like this kind of resistance to anything that actually takes work to enjoy mm. you know where because everything moves so quickly and there's so much of everything be it like music be it film be mm. it books or anything there's just more of everything than there's ever been at any time yeah. vying for your attention yeah. all at once and if it's not an instant hit of pleasure or something that you respond to right away then there's the temptation to just throw it aside and say this is worthless I, I can't get anything out of this when you know there's plenty there you just it's not as immediate and you just need mm. to dig a bit deeper and yeah. give it more focus and more of your time but at the same it. time it's you know the, the the opportunities there to really go and challenge yourself I was yeah. listening to Otekra the other night you know mm -hmm. just yeah. I just went off on one and thought I'm going to listen to a completely new musical landscape yeah yeah and the videos are amazing and um, you know you, you couldn't you couldn't do that before yeah you, you, you know you had a, a mobile phone with the internet on it, you know, in your bed at three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> that is true. I mean, when it's the pros and the cons. There's all this stuff now that you can find and get out there, but you really have to work at finding the right stuff. Not work at it, but just work out what you want to see that's new rather than, you know, the, the number one hits on any chart that people seem to, you know, whether it's Amazon, whether it's on YouTube or whatever that seem to... I mean, the, the, the recent example of the Fifty Shades of Grey in publishing was a great example of this. It almost became something that, or, or J.K. Rowling selling so much of a new book when nobody yeah. had actually read it yet, or it had not been, I think it had even been reviewed, had it? No, there was a strict embargo on it until eight o'clock on Thursday morning, which is when it went on sale. Right. Like Waterstones and all the other high street bookshops opened early, specifically yeah. so people on their way to work could pick it up. Mm -hmm. But I know it was, it was embargoed even uh, in the press, I think. It was kind of it was hinted at in a couple of things. I think the Guardian did an interview with her that mentioned that the interviewer said to her, "Oh, I, uh, I thought the book was great," and she was overjoyed with it because nobody she hadn't had responses from anybody yet. You know, so nobody she, had been allowed yeah, to use so it. That she was, always she was worries me. To have some <laughs> it's like a yeah. film where they don't have any press screens exactly, of it yeah. until it goes out, and you're like, oh yeah. dear. Um, so when you talk about uh, listening to something new, but what what kind of has influenced your music? Everything. Everything. It's too much of a. Um, I, I wish I could say my influences were, you know, just punk or something. Yeah, but yeah. It's, you know, I would be very surprised. Some <laughs> <laughs> music. So yeah, it's the Dead Kennedys is all I listen to. Um, but yeah, my so entire life has been a quest to rewrite <laughs> too drunk to fuck. Mm. It's been a, a melting pot, you know. Um, blame the parents, I think. They brought me up on everything from uh, the Pixies to Ella Fitzgerald. Excellent. It's just healthy. I think it's yeah. hugely I'm, healthy. I mean, I like until, until you're trying to work out, you know, <laughs> who the hell you are. You try to do a as an artist, sing gigantic with Ella Fitzgerald <laughs> voice or something like that. See, that's better. I didn't have my, my uh, folks were not particular, and um, my dad is into musicals, which is something very different than uh, being right. into music. But uh, so there was the kind of Beach Boys and the Beatles. Bit of Sinatra and that was it. So I had to kind of, I, I, but uh, my training was with older cousins and older pals yeah. and other folks' dads. So when you're forcing Dylan albums into your hand before he would let you home and right. things like that. Yeah. But no, I think it's very healthy to have that. Yeah, absolutely. That grounding. Because because now you know with something like the internet, there's if you want to if you want to go for you know if you want to take it, your your uh, 
find some new influences, and you do, you get, I mean, you get bored of, you know, you, you find yourself in need of new, you know, influences every, mm -hmm. I, I get obsessed by certain artists, mm -hmm. and it lasts me, you know, a couple of months, and then you've got to move on to the next mm -hmm. thing, and, you know, the internet's amazing for that, you know, I think scouting about, and, you know, if you like this, you might like that, and all the rest of it. I, I really wonder with the idea of a longevity of, of bands. I mean, you talked about Radiohead, and they've kind of managed to do it. Well, they have not, they've not kind of, they have obviously managed yeah, to yeah. do it. Um, but whether that'll be increasingly less, could people say, well, I've got my one, two, three, uh, say Radiohead albums, or, and but now I've got my fill on that because there is so much more that I want to try and <clears> my <throat> way through. I don't know. Or maybe there'll always be these bands and artists, there probably will, that people will want absolutely everything buy them I mean I noticed mm. recently that you know Pink Floyd released all the back catalogue kind of remastered and huge yeah. and very expensive and all that yeah. and of course the, the generation of people who love Pink Floyd and Alan Bissett um, <laughs> they would have to have that kind of thing and I'm, I'm hoping that there'll always be that obsession with music that there'll always be people that say I have to have everything by this person I love it there's been yeah, a couple yeah. of bands like that lately that I've kind of been that way with I was never really that way even when I was a teenager and only buying like my three or four records a month or, or something but when, with again with the internet not just in terms of downloading but in terms of being able to keep in touch with, with bands through like you know through their websites through like Facebook and Twitter and stuff mm -hmm. like this it's much easier to keep up with what they're actually putting out and to know when you need the pounds and get like a limited edition single or something mm -hmm. like this mm -hmm. like I'm, the two that I've been able to kind of get on board with more or less from the start in recent years have been the Twilight Sad and uh, Japan Droids the mm -hmm. kind of Canadian garage rock band and um to, to the point where you know you can have all the singles and all the EPs and all the albums as well and you know have them as seven inches and stuff and be like this might be worth something someday <laughs> but, I, but I would never sell it because I'm exactly the person who would buy that complete collection yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. like to be like they're all going to be worth something to yeah, you in yeah, the future with yeah, more money exactly yeah. <laughs> I'll buy them off myself as long as time uh, travel happens then yeah. you'll be alright yeah but um yeah, so, so stuff like that. I think it's, it's much easier to get in on the ground floor with a mm. lot of bands these days because you can hear their early stuff online or whatever. Or That's you, you can go back and pick up, you know, back catalogues when they've only got a couple of singles in them or something like this, if you've discovered them at an early stage. so I, That's very true, and it's something that you can't do with bands from the 70s and 80s and perhaps early 90s. So, well, I was trying to find... There was a band in Glasgow in the late 80s, early 90s called Wild River Apples that used to just play. They never, I think they made one record, they were on Marina Records, I think. And all I could find in YouTube is like one, it's the single basically with somebody's put a lovely picture on it and a picture of them playing live, which is completely out of sync with the vocals down at the Marquee in, in London. Uh, and I just think, oh, there's all these bands I would love to. Be I was able looking to find for them. that exact same video, You're that joking? exact same band. Yeah. Wow. Uh, there's a the, the guitarist and it was a he's a producer now. Aye. Well, I this was one song. I worked briefly with uh, Gwen Stewart, who was the singer, who has an amazing voice and sung with uh, Sugartown and Cowboy Mouth and a lot of other bands from that time, who were all kind of on Marina, which was a weird German record label that seemed to put right. out a lot of. Scottish bands, uh, June and the Exit Wounds were another one. Um, and I remember working with her years after I'd seen the Wild River Apples playing live, and after a couple of beers one night, really gushed about how magic it was, and what, what a great gig it was, and you're an amazing singer. But um, So this is why I was trying to find this clip, and uh, it's the only thing that's mm -hmm. kind of slightly out of focus and fan clip that had been taken. Mm -hmm. So go and check it out, you know, it's not the best quality, but they were, they were a there was a lot, as there is now, lots of terrific bands around. But now, as you see, because there's access to them, even if they make a small video or they just put something <coughs> on Bandcamp or on you know whatever, and you can hear it almost straight away. Mm. So it does. I think that there is greater access to these things instead of having to turn up, find out which gig they're playing at, and that's the only way of seeing folk. I mean, you were saying you played a uh, love music, and you know. I think a lot of record stores now that they're, they're having to do a lot of kind of live gigs as well to kind of keep interest going mm -hmm. um, and you, you you were talking about the uh, Wicker Man soundtrack and, and how you bought that yeah. on Orange was, was it the it soundtrack was, you bought yeah on? it was the soundtrack yeah it was in, in Mono yeah, which is or Monorail I should say it was uh -huh. the, the record store about it but uh, yeah no I, I mean even just you know, because like even like physical record labels quite often have to grab people's attention now and like say, you know, it's worth your while buying this over just downloading it mm -hmm. from, from iTunes or something. You know, you so the packaging gets more elaborate. The actual, you know, everything 
get you know it feels more like an investment or something or like so you're getting something for your money if you buy a record you know that seems to be the way that a lot of record labels are going forward well I know Paul, I sorry yeah mm-hmm. no sorry I was going to say Paul Paul Buchanan's Medea yeah. was exactly that it was uh, you can have it in the you know form you can have it in vinyl you can have it in CD you can have it lovely yeah. big box set which is all lavish and I think that's right I think people are uh, finding different ways to kind of get the interest in it I just hope that maintains but yeah. you I mean how do you find getting your stuff out with things like Twitter and Facebook and Bandcamp and all these kind of things oh, it's a, yeah it's a piece of cake you know? mm-hmm. it's a piece of cake to get music to anybody yeah you know? um, it's, an, it's an amazing world we live in for um, for any emerging you know artist writer it's Facebook Twitter or a no-brainer. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, as much as as much as I hate, you know, op- opening opening yourself up too yeah, much. Yeah, you know? yeah. There's a there's a balance. You know, I think there is a balance, yeah. definitely. Uh, and you know, you can either be like Aidan Moffat and tweet about what you're watching on yeah. MTV to the early hours of the morning. Those you can just tell people what you're doing. <laughs> that's fine. Honestly, when Aidan Moffat goes on a, on a rant, like round about midnight with a couple of drinks in him, <laughs> sat in front of MTV, there is, there is, is what Twitter was invented for. <laughs> is the best possible use of the medium. Uh, There's a reason I don't follow people like Aidan Moffat <laughs> and, and Limmy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I get the filtering system, the retweets. And you get the, the cream of the crop. You know? Yeah, that's very true. Very true. Um, so, what's uh, next for you then? What are you up to next? More gigs. I'm trying to trying to get up north and get a wee tour for uh, oh, end of end of the year, and then uh, and just, just get get on the path to festivals and stuff next year. You know, really want to want to keep playing. You know, with the band mm-hmm. and. Uh, and I've started writing, you know, for for the next album, which I think I'll do in about you know a year a year from now. You know, I still think there's a a good wee journey ahead of this album. You know. Yep. And um, yeah, more of the same. You should tell people all the information about album and where to get it and all that kind of stuff. Well, the best place to hear it is from my website, which is just eugenetwist.com and uh, you can there's a link onto iTunes from there so you can buy it from iTunes and Bandcamp as well mm-hmm. I can't remember the Bandcamp address no. so that's the confusing one um, yeah and I'm on Facebook and Twitter and, and all of those things and all of the rest of it I will put a, a link up to a um, when we post about this when this comes out um, I think that's the perfect place to stop for a bit of music and afterwards we'll be back to talk about something completely different cheers Street lamps are working Harder than they ever have The moon stayed out drinking The Saturday passed The sky is all yellow From its nicotine blasts Spitting raindrops of whiskey In an old bones flask As he watches from the rooftops of a Highland town And he's waiting on the witches to come out of the clouds Well, I'm only talking spooky On this Hallow's Eve For a thirteen hundred hours My girl decided to leave Halloween Drama Queen Was that just too late for all the things we had to see? So I'm hanging in the phone box Just around the block Trying to call or say I'm sorry when I hear the door knock As I open up excited What do I see? 
Little boy looks up, says, Mr. Trick or treat Thinking I could use a joke To cheer me up at least Should I blow the last phone call On a party piece And did the of yesterday Hey, welcome back uh, to Scotch Radio Podcast 2.1, that's what I think we'll, we'll call it, and uh, we talked in the first half about, uh, it's not making sense and a little bit, but The Wicker Man, and Chris and I were talking about how, what a good soundtrack The Wicker Man is, um, yes it's very folky, it's very 70s folk specifically, so we thought we'd have a chat about just kind of soundtracks and, I mean, you, do you, do you, are you a fan of the soundtrack, do you? Uh, the soundtrack? Um, my guitarist is obsessed with like Last of the Mohicans. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and he really kind of uh, you know, right through to spaghetti western stuff, you know. And he tries to incorporate it into the songs as well, which is great, <laughs> you know. How 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 can we accommodate this, you know, grand vision of a Navajo flute or whatever, you know? Yeah, a Sergio Leone pedal that yeah. he can just kicks in. Um yeah, but I think I think Last of the Meetings, by the way, is a phenomenal <laughs> good film. Very underrated. I yeah. think it's a proper thrilling film, and it sound, it does sound amazing. Yeah, I've actually got I've got like a, a soundtrack. You know the the crap CDs you get from like Tesco and stuff. Yeah, yeah. My granny bought me a soundtrack one, and there's, there's some brilliant stuff. I think it's mostly Western stuff, but. Oh, yeah. um, you, I mean, I, I think it's something that's so um, it's rare now to get such a. A sort of um, what try to say here, anthemic soundtrack that you'd maybe Something sing sing back, you know, sing back in your head. The last amazing thing I heard, and it's getting used so much now, was the was the Twenty Eight Days Later soundtrack, mm-hmm. and it's this really kind of spooky, slow building, um, huge guitars and, and drums, and the simplicity of it. It gets me every time. It's so it's such a kind of haunting and, and moving piece of music, and I, I don't I don't think it really meant to be. You know? right. It's just it's something that just you know one of those little 
That's I, I can't even. Of, um, it's so long since I've watched the film. I can't even think. You know, if you heard, it gets yeah. used a lot in trailers and stuff. Like that. Okay. Um, Starting to get a bit overplayed. Yeah, it's the, it's the same thing as like the Requiem for a Dream music, you know, yeah. like Mansell stuff. It's like it just starts turning up in places that are completely inappropriate. Like I think Sky Sports News now uses the That's music right, Requiem yeah. for a Dream, which is hilarious because it's clearly people who don't know the context that have heard the first appeared. <laughs> so now it's just yeah. all these uh, subliminal associations with like you know your arm falling off from from injecting too much and stuff like this, and Jennifer no Connelly selling yes. herself for crack. And Absolutely, what a film it is. Yeah. Um, well, but both of these are, are complete pieces of music. I think what was interesting, yeah, yeah. Train Spotting soundtracks got a lot to answer for. It seemed to me that was the one. Might be wrong about this because John Hughes movies did it before, but yeah, where Tarantino about the same time. Tarantino well, roughly yeah. at the same time, but it was about individual tracks that that's matched right, yeah. perfectly that's to right. the scene, so yeah. it almost became like compilation. Yeah, yeah. So it's like the influence of MTV as well. Oftentimes you'll get like sequences in films that just become like they're almost like little self-contained music videos. When it, know, often when vid- people who made videos became yeah, filmmakers. Exactly, yeah, mm-hmm. where, the, where the music just syncs up perfectly with the shots and stuff like this. And no knock against people who do it. I mean, the people who do it well, it, it works brilliantly, you know, like Tarantino, like Danny Boyle quite often. Somebody like, uh, even like Sofia Coppola or something like this is really good at it as well. Um, but That's right, in uh, oh, the lost, film she did. Lost in Translation. No, I'm thinking uh, of the words. Virgin Suicides. Marie Antoinette. Marie Antoinette, where she yeah. uses the modern pop music. Yeah, in the period setting. Which I, th- I think Marie Antoinette is a really underrated film. I mean, yeah, I'm, I quite, I'm, quite, I'm kind of a, a Sofia Coppola advocate anyway. I think she gets quite an unduly hard time from some circles. But because of Godfather 3. Exactly, yeah. They've never forgiven her for that. <laughs> for being but, a young actress yeah. and being Godfather 3. Yeah, but um, no, I think the, the use of music in Marie Antoinette is amazing. Like, you know, it's because it's all, it's not just that she uses contemporary music is that she uses one period of contemporary music it's all this kind of new romantic stuff so mm-hmm. it's the it's you know from a period when you had Adam Ant actually dressing like that you know yeah, like, yeah, like they're yeah. dressed in Marie Antoinette so it's kind of it was a time of musical excess and it was a time yeah. of you know yeah, royal like excess and stuff exactly. you know? like the meat cake and yeah. listen to new romantics yeah so the soundtrack's full of like like uh, Kings of the Well Frontiers on it by Adam uh, Adam the Ants so you've got Bow Wow Wow on it you've got uh, yeah all this kind of areas like The Cure on it um, that is an interesting soundtrack because you've got that in one half and then you've got the uh, orchestral mu- yeah. music in the next CD if you buy it as yeah, a Yeah, the more then the more it's some modern stuff on that as well, but yeah, it's the, the less song driven stuff. You've got like Aphex Twin and Air and stuff like that on the second half, where it is more kinda of instrumental stuff and more kind of mood driven. Mm-hmm. Um, with all the kind of the more upbeat, you know, new wave stuff on the first on the first disc. So why the Wicker Man? Why do you? Uh, why the Wicker Man? I don't know. I, again, it's just I think like the soundtrack is kind of key to the tone of the film. I think Definitely. in the Wicker Man's mm-hmm. case, because I mean, when you boil it down, Wicker Man's pretty much a musical. You know, it's like <laughs> oh, interesting, it's, interesting. It's, it I actually like, saw it recently. You know, the, yeah. the National Theatre of Scotland. Oh yeah, the 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 Greg Hempel thing. I saw it through in Edinburgh, and it's very funny. But that's exactly what they do. This yeah. made up theatre company do it as a as a musical. Yeah, well, it is. I mean, it's not. You think of the number of times that everything stops in the Wicker Man, so they can have a song. <laughs> you know, I mean, like it, it's not na- it's naturalised, so it's not completely artificial. You know, everything fits within the flow of the film. It makes sense that like. They're all singing along in the pub. I'm trying it, to remember: um, is it does it uh, rediscover its themes? Is it thematic? Does it does it come back to music that was at the start of the film? Or uh, not really? I mean, like mm. there is kind of not especially. I mean, the, the songs that it kind of devolves almost. It's like it's this quite genteel folk at the start of it. You know, the with the kind of the new arrangements of Burns and stuff like this, and then it just descends into the kind of the more kind of pagan stuff as it goes on you know where they're all standing around the wicker man singing summer is a coming in and, and all this but it, it both it works really yeah. well like the best soundtracks do it really works well together and works on screen because it's really unsettling just like yeah. the stuff on screen is unsettling <clears throat> and what actually would be quite a traditional uh folk album if you just listen to it alone when you add it to what you've seen on screen yeah. then suddenly it becomes something much well, more. that's the thing with the, with the wicker man it's only really edward woodward that acts like he's in a horror film you know, to, to the rest of the characters, <laughs> it's a comedy. Yeah, yeah well, no, even that. So the rest of the characters, like, this is just what they do. Yeah, you know, it's like they, this is the ritual. This is what they go through every year. It's like, <laughs> oh, I get sacrificed another virgin. It's that time of year again. You know, um, but you're so right. There's a there's a loneliness about the music. Yeah, I thought the same of the uh, one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Yeah, when you have that kind of uh, is it the saw? I think it's the saw. Is the opening scene right? Yeah. The music of song, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, 
not Saw the Musical yeah, which yeah. Is, <laughs> which is, that's something completely yeah. different which is just torture listening and it's that you know really distant uh, lonely sound and it sets the tone straight away yeah. and it's and there's something quite uh, comic not comical but you know flippant about it as well you know? yeah there's something almost kind of not I can't really say nostalgic for me about the Wicker Man because it's an era that I never actually lived through. But it is nostalgic for a time. You nostalgic for a time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The borrowed nostalgia for the unremembered eighties to clone <laughs> LCD sound system. But uh, yeah, no, is is that whole kind of it's got a nice kind of I mean for all the kind of horror aspects, it's got that really warm kind of early seventies folky sound that I would also kind of associate with like Joni Mitchell or something mm-hmm. or Vashti Bunyan or you know that whole kind of era of like where you can picture like hippie mums out the west end you know pushing prams along with like you know and a different horror film a different horror film yeah yeah I know what you mean it's absolutely of that time like uh, Steel Eye Span or there are a lot of northern uh, folk uh, music going on tremendous pentangle and stuff yeah yeah exactly not to be confused with pentagram which I did last week (laughs) giggling online (laughs) pentagram a metal band yeah yeah, it's like Uh, I thought (laughs) you might be (laughs) (laughs) like Bert Jansch um, <laughs> yeah. uh, another soundtrack which I love and uh, uh, we spoke about this briefly when we were talking about Scottish films is that of Restless Natives yeah. and the whole soundtrack's done by Big Country yeah. uh, I don't know whether they're a Big Country fan or not but this is I think it's the best music they, they made because again they, 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 they were asked to do the whole film mm. and they do a proper job of coming up with a soundtrack where uh, um, it's not just songs. It does, as you say, this the theme repeats itself at the end, and there's there's music which signifies stuff that's going to happen, and you pick up on it immediately. Also, there's electronic music in it, which is we don't expect coming from big country. It's quite experimental. Um, I love the film anyway. It's one of my, me and my brother's favourites. But uh, yeah, if you can get it, that'll be online now. You can hear the the, the big country's music from yeah. the Restless Natives. So it's worth checking out. In that kind of area as well. That's kind of the same area that you've got Martin Alford doing local hero and stuff as well. So there's maybe it's maybe just a kind of more in vogue thing from like that kind of period of Possibly, Scottish yeah. filmmaking to have you know one band do the entire soundtrack because mm-hmm. I think the thing about soundtracks is that you know they cost money to put together whether you're employing a composer or whether you're getting the licensing rights to a load of tracks you're right and because there's, uh-huh. there's just not a lot of money to spare in Scottish filmmaking so quite often you find Scottish films can't really afford the you know have these big attention grabbing soundtracks and stuff or things that go on and become iconic just because they do not have the money to spare uh, well, Local Heroes is a great example. It's yeah. a, just a beautiful piece of music, which, you know, yeah. works every time. It's great. Yeah. It's, I think the only one that I can think of that's gone, I mean, other than Trainspotting, which is, I suppose, you know, it's a more British production, I suppose it's funded by yeah. Channel 4, Danny Boyle's English and stuff, so it maybe has a bit more capital behind it. But the only other kind of more contemporary Scottish filmmaker I can think of who does stuff like, you know, Sophia Coppola or Tarantino or Wonka or Wai or any other kind of filmmaker that, you know, is is renowned for their compilation albums, you know, their mixtapes, if you want to sure. call them that, would be like Lynn Ramsey, probably. Uh, like the soundtrack for Morven Caller is amazing and so unlike like any other Scottish film just because it's not even, she doesn't limit herself to just Scottish artists. I think like a lot of Scottish filmmakers would probably look to local bands to try and save on money as much as anything else because yeah, they're I maybe suppose, I mean, whatever, but... Hallam Foe, which again is a more of a British oh, production. I forgot about Hallam Foe. But Hallam that Foe, was, but that did use orange juice and yeah. uh, pastels, I think. Yeah, and it was all it was all kind of like eighties uh, indie stuff, you know, mm-hmm. a, lot, a lot of it. But um, with Marvin Caller, it's you know, it's a lot of stuff off of Warp. You know, Aphex Twin are on it again. Uh, can there's a couple of Can tracks. Mm-hmm. There's like Lee Scratch Perry. There's uh, Lee Hazelwood and Nancy Sinatra. There's you know, it's a really it's a really cool album. You know, which is mm-hmm. something you don't get to say about a lot of. Scottish soundtracks, you know, like whether regardless of their quality, it has that kind of aura of, of something being really cool and hip about it, which is you know you don't get to say it that often. I mean, see when you when you look at um, this is a completely out of context. Yeah, go for argument, it. That's right, what I, like to do. I was out yesterday flying my kite. Did oh, you do it on a Friday well, afternoon, after right? Heart, absolutely. And and, uh, and and it brought me on to wanting to get a sports kite and be a power kite and be okay. lifted off my feet. And I was watching these YouTube videos about you know how much air they get and all the rest of it. And as is the case with so many YouTube videos, they stick a piece of music on and they think this works. This is instantly cinematic, mm-hmm. and it can 
to me, like a good soundtrack, it can can either be that you know Tarantino thing of the juxtaposition of you know something really weird, you know, fifties yeah. bebop song, you know, set to you know extreme violence, or um, or you know John Barry, you know, lush strings, or you know Penderecki on The Shining or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm I'm starting to get a bit wary of you know how easy it is to make something cinematic to make I mean, visuals and music just it's actually very very simple to make something um that engaging mm-hmm. you know and um so it, it can maybe be a bit of a cop-out just to stick you know a, a good bu- song a, a good song on and you know sometimes it works Some, that, sometimes you think i agree with you. i think it's something that uh it's it's too easy to do badly and you think it's going to work you know like a song which already comes with various uh, emotional attachments to it um i think let think of something an example for instance well in, let's go back to john hughes and uh pretty in pink the bit where he uses new order thieves like us which is one of my favorite pieces of music i absolutely love it um so i read so immediately i'm into to, to, to what's going on here but actually What's it saying about what's going on on screen? Not very much. Mm-hmm. It, it didn't. It, it didn't need that bit of music there. It just happened. happened. It's one of my favourite bits of music. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Bonnie Prince Billy spoke out against that a couple of years ago about how right. he really. Well, I think it, it was it was particularly directed against the guy who does uh, who puts together like Wes Anderson soundtracks and stuff like this about how he didn't like. You know, it was like let the, the music be its own thing and let the film be its own thing. You know, we don't have. You know, you, it, the music kind of comes with a pre-programmed emotional response, and he was talking about how it's too easy to then just stick that over a film and you get the response from the music. Yeah, you know? a Curtis Richard Curtis. Yeah, his films are full of that. You yeah. know, you think of uh, Love Actually, where he's sticking a bit of Joni Mitchell in him. You have, yeah. you know, you're well enough before you even see. <laughs> I mean, I actually think it's, it's, it's an unfair accusation at a level against Wes Anderson. I think because I, I actually think he is one of the ones who does use music really well. But uh, yeah. So. I, well, well um, I think there is something still to be said about John, John Barry's perhaps the greatest example. Oh, well, maybe not, because Bond kind of has its cake and eats it, doesn't it? Because the theme tunes are always pre-done songs. Yeah. I mean, they work well, yeah. Yeah. you know, Goldfinger or whatever. Then they're fantastic. But then you know, but people, it's, it's, you forget Aha and you forget uh, Madonna. <laughs> I think did one. Yeah. Oh, really? But then you've still got this iconic bit of music that is all Bond. That you know, it's, it's exclusively just, its own thing. You know, it's yeah. its own brand. Um, I think there is still a lot to be said about great soundtracks. You're talking about the, the spaghetti westerns and um, uh, various. Well, Danny Elfman often does it, but the, the, the music is written purely for the film, and I would hate <coughs> to see that, you know, being pushed aside for the sake of sticking on, yeah, 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 you yeah. know, uh, a, a bit of soul music that everyone really loves. Yeah, it'd be yeah, a shame. yeah, yeah, definitely. It's interesting as well. And that like... wouldn't work in Batman either, would it? <laughs> I, mean, I don't think so. No. <laughs> Um, in the midnight hour, just <laughs> as he's you know punching down. Oh, that's a good example because yeah. one of the biggest in the early nineties, one of the biggest phenomenons in the music was the commitments. Yeah, yeah. And they toured the band, and they all became. It's an okay film, you know. It's it's it is what it is. But uh, that was the way a lot of people discovered, you know, real soul music was, yeah. the, you know, and I never had people that preferred the commitments versions to things like Wilson Pickett <laughs> and Penny, oh God, what are you doing? But, you know, it, it was this, it was massive, it was absolutely everywhere. Mm. Um, so a film can, you know, reach a wider audience with, uh, I mean, I don't know if people discovered Bowie after listening to the... Yeah. The Wes Anderson uh, Spanish oh, yeah, the, yeah, the Life Aquatic. The Life oh, Aquatic, yeah. which is quite an interesting yeah. thing to do. Or through yeah. uh, Tarantino as well, uh, in Glorious Bastards, he has uh, cat people putting out fire. Oh, Again, it's the, the kind song. of anachronism of you know using a, a song from the 80s in a film set in World yeah. War Two. But that's an amazing sequence where you know everything stops and suddenly goes a bit Bowie music video where Shoshana's putting on the lipstick and stuff like this you know while they're setting up the film premiere it's, it's a great sequence and it's just so totally out of the blue because uh, for the most part it's more kind of period appropriate or he's been using you know um, film cues and stuff as he's been taking I think the thing with Inglourious Bastards is he lifted every piece of music from other films which right. again comes into another kind of a bit like, yeah, yeah it's very Tarantino but it's also kind of maybe touching on what Bonnie Prince Billy was complaining about and saying well 
if you recognise these from other films then it's already kind of programming your response to it but I think it's more complicated with someone like Tarantino because he so often uses other films to comment on what he's talking about himself you know that's his frame of reference for it mm. so, so it's a different thing I think from just saying oh this works really well in, in cat people yeah <laughs> you know? sure so uh, I'm going to take it for mine um, but it's interesting as well I think like everything that all the kind of compilation style ones that we've talked about so far have all been kind of pop and rock stuff but uh, like if you look at filmmakers like like you mentioned Stanley Kubrick as well but also like Terrence Malick they all often do the same thing but with pieces of classical music mm. and it doesn't seem to get the same kind of attention I don't I suppose just because you know people take classical music yeah, more seriously exactly yeah or people might just be less <coughs> familiar with it and just assume that it's been written for the film or <laughs> something like that you know? <laughs> but you think of something like Barry Lyndon using Bach and stuff like this yeah, or the way that like Malik like used Orange, yeah, yeah. yeah or the way that um, Malik used like the Lacrimosa and the Tree of Life and stuff like this you know for the creation of the universe and uh, or like the amazing bit at the start of the new world where he uses the opening of uh, the ring cycle, the Wagner, uh, for the ships arriving, like the the English ships arriving on the coast of America. And it's an amazing sequence in the associations that you make because in the opera it's about the creation of the world and you know this is the discovery of the new world and stuff mm. like this. So um, yeah, well, I, I think it all just comes down to the individual filmmaker, but you know when it works, it it works. I think there's something to be said in the, the preciousness of you know the moment when to add music. Mm. Yeah. I love silence in movies. Yeah. And as soon as something, documentaries are great for that as well. Mm-hmm. You know, it'll be this very very tense, you know, dialogue or silence or you know, uh, um, the sound of the city or whatever. And then, you know, half an hour in, you just get a string line creeping mm-hmm. in or something, and it's more impact. Yeah, yeah. When you've left it for that long. I know? think too many people are scared of that. Yep. The modern colours are, uh, colours are great uh, example of that. There are huge bits in that where it is complete silence and uh, or uh, just uh, Marvin uh, and walking through the desert or and it, there's no music to it at all. And, and then when the music does come in, it has all the, all the greater impact. Mm. So basically, what we're saying is when it's good, it's good. When it's, it's not, bad, it's not. Mm-hmm. Oh well, funny how that works <laughs> sometimes. Um, well. Partly to talk about this because we didn't get you to talk about Stop Making Sense when you claimed oh, it's a yeah. Scottish film. Oh, I just rewatched Stop Making Sense last yeah. week actually. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. I mean, not even just like the best concert film ever made. I think it, Stop Making Sense is legitimately one of the best films ever made. Mm-hmm. It's just so like above any other recording of a live performance that's ever been put on film. I mean, just the concept behind it with them coming on one by one and like even the order of the songs kind of tells a story where you've got like David Byrne evolving from you know Psycho Killer, he starts like on his own with Psycho Killer, and, and then and then gradually mm-hmm. adjusting to society as more people come in and the stage gets built up around them, and suddenly they're all singing "Take Me to the River," you yeah. know, and it's, <laughs> it is it's like a kind of evolution of a person, you know, and learning to adjust to a Tim's Malick movie, but no, yeah, right. exactly, yeah, uh, on a smaller scale, but just the staging of it all as well. I mean, the bit in when they do this must be the place uh, and he dances with the light it's like something that Gene Kelly would do or you know or something out of a, a, a Chaplin film or a Buster Keaton film or oh, something yeah, it. oh yeah I um, saw a video of him recently doing the uh, with uh, St Vincent oh yeah and he was doing Bonnie and Down the House with a huge brass band behind him oh, yeah this is amazing and, Chris, and, 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 and he had the kind of radio uh, radio uh, unit guitar you yeah. know, kind of no, no cable and just you know Walking around the stage nonchalantly yeah. with this huge, you know, tubas and kind of New Orleans uh, kind of brass band. Yeah. Band. I saw him live really, a few really really years ago, and it was honestly like in the top five gigs I've ever seen. It was, I mean, it was an amazing setlist because he was specifically touring. It, the tour was called David Byrne performs the songs of David Byrne and Brian Eno so right. it was largely a talking heads based set list and mm-hmm. it was that with like they've done a couple of collaborative albums as yeah, well, yeah, they yeah. had Life in the Bush of Ghosts and then the one they were plugging was the last one they had the everything that happens will happen today but again he's so into the kind of the choreography of it of not just standing and performing the songs yeah, he yeah. had three dancers three backing singers and like his band behind him and they were all dressed head to toe in white you know white shirts white trousers white shoes mm. and the dancers were going about and he was getting involved in it as well you know I think it was during it was during one of the ones off um, Remain in Light it might have been the big curve or something but it was one of the ones where he was doing you know a guitar you know a kind of you know really getting into his, his guitar playing and one of the backup dancers like vaulted over him you know like he just kind of leapfrogged over him as he was playing his, his solo or whatever um <laughs> 
and they were all so into it and getting involved and yeah it was just an absolutely stunning show which has nothing to do with soundtracks <laughs> no, <laughs> that's, well, that's I the think we've got there. that recommendation that's a good place to end because we have the recommendation of checking out everything David Burns ever done that's a good yeah, thing that's check out the soundtrack to yeah. 28 Days Later and if nothing else we have mentioned the Wild River Apples in this podcast and that makes me very happy indeed so uh, thanks Chris for coming along no bother and thank you Eugene as well thanks for playing no problem you'll hear uh, one other track from Eugene and we'll see you next time round cheers it's getting comfy on this sinking sofa do you want another seat? it's okay okay. I'm quite enjoying it it's quite dangerous to feel this comfortable when you're playing Why shouldn't you be? It's down to you.